Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship. And as always, a very special welcome to members of our family and friends from all around the country uh, and across the world. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina, and we'll also hear the voices of Alan, Talash, Leslie, Alistair, and Jeff. And at the start of our service, Ailey and Owen will be lighting our candle. And if you'd like to do the same, be ready to light your candle when they light theirs. As we sing along with recordings of ourselves, we'll hear Paul and keyboard, as well as Ailey, Freya, Sarah and Leo. Then at 7pm we gather for evening worship on Zoom when we'll be joined by our friends from neighbouring churches. I'll be leading that service and if you're planning to join in this evening it would be helpful if you could have a pen and paper handy just to jot down a few thoughts. Um, don't panic, no one but yourself will ever see them but it might be useful just to have some pen and paper nearby. Then on Wednesday evening at 7pm, we have the second of our autumn study groups on Zoom. If you didn't make it to the first one, but you're interested in coming to this Wednesday's study, just drop Katrina an email and she'll send you an invitation and background information. Just one little bit of family news. Um, Katrina heard from Yang Yang this week. She is uh, not going to be coming back to Glasgow this term as all her studies are going to be online, but she sends us all her love and hopes to see us in the not too distant future. Katrina is on leave next Sunday, so when we gather on Zoom at 11am, our friend Rebecca Sharp, who's a chaplain at the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, will lead our worship then. And at 7pm, the Reverend Roger Sturrock of Wellington Church will lead evening worship. These are all our notices. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. Thank you, Owen and Ailey. A short call to worship this week from the book of Ephesians. The Apostle writes these words. I urge you, live a life that measures up to the standard God set when he called you. Always be humble, gentle and patient. Show your love by being tolerant with one another. Do your best to maintain the unity which the Spirit gives by the means of the peace that binds you together.
And so we come to God with our prayers of approach. And after I've led us in prayer, Alan will be leading us in the Lord's Prayer. And of course, we are invited to say that in our own preferred language, our, our own most familiar form when we get to that point. So let's pray together. God of peace, amidst the strange busyness of our lockdown lives, we come to you seeking peace. Not just a break from doing, and not just a desire for being, but a deep inner stillness that cannot be disturbed, no matter how chaotic or frenetic our lives. God of justice, amidst the inequalities and excesses of our Western lives, we come to you seeking justice. Not just for our voices to be heard, and not just to hear the voices of others, but a deep inner sense of equity and fairness no matter how unequal or unfair our experiences. God of peaceful justice and just peacefulness, in these moments as we still our hearts and minds, help us to recognise with gladness the moments, however fleeting, of true peace and real justice that we have experienced. Help us to recognise with remorse the words and thoughts, actions and inactions that have denied peace or justice to others. Assure us that you have forgiven us. Renew within us a passion for peace, a desire for justice, that we may be true followers of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them who trespass against us. And let us lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.
Ruth won a selection. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. Elimelech, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah and the other Ruth. When they had lived there for about 10 years, both sons also died. So the woman was left without her two sons or her husband. She, re she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab back to the land of Judah, for she had heard that the famine there had ended. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to... Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, "No, we will not. Re we will return with you to your people." Again, Naomi asked, <clears throat> "Turn back, my daughters." Then they wept again aloud. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So, so Naomi said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. Psalm 85, 8-13 I heard what the Lord God said. He said there would be peace for his people and his loyal followers, so they must not go back to their foolish way of living. He will soon save his faithful followers. His glory will again live in our land. God's love will come together with his faithful people. Goodness and peace will greet them with a kiss. People on earth will be loyal to God and God in heaven will be good to them. The Lord will give us many good things. The ground will grow many good crops. Goodness will go before the Lord and prepare the way for him. 1 Corinthians 12, 12-20 For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear were to say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body.
One of the great delights of listening to the recordings is we are reminded of how life was <laughs> and that uh, siren rushing past the hotel window at some point in the past. In 1945, just as the Second World War was drawing to its messy end, an organisation that is now known as the United Nations was born. Around about 40 years later, in 1941, International Peace Day was established to be marked on the 21st of September each year. And I have to admit that I'd pretty much forgotten about that until I discovered Peace Sunday, which is one of the days that some churches keep as part of their annual calendar, a day when Christians are invited to reflect on topics of peace and justice. And it's actually no accident that this takes place during the season that is sometimes called creation time. I found myself very much reminded of my time as a student in Manchester, 20 years ago now, when one of the theological themes we explored was called peace, justice and the integrity of creation. A recognition then that they are interrelated for example, that violence between groups of humans not only fosters injustice, it also damages the natural world. Or maybe we could put it a different way and say, if we care about creation, if we care about the natural world, then we will also care about justice and peace. Maybe the COVID-19 pandemic has reminded us of the interconnectedness and interdependence of all nation states and people groups in a way that has pretty much been lost recently in a growing culture of consumerism and individualism. This is what it says for Peace Day on the United Nations website. This year, it has been clearer than ever that we are not each other's enemies. Rather, our common enemy is a tireless virus that threatens our health, security, and very way of life. COVID-19 has thrown our world into turmoil and forcibly reminded us that what happens in one part of the planet can impact people everywhere. In March, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres called on all warring parties to lay down their weapons and focus on the battle against this unprecedented global pandemic. While the message is aimed for armed parties, solidarity and cooperation across borders, sectors and generations are also needed to win this new fight against the worst public health crisis of our time. As we struggle to defeat COVID-19, your voice is more important than ever. In these difficult times of physical distancing, this International Day of Peace will be dedicated to fostering dialogue and collecting ideas. The world will be invited to unite and share thoughts on how to weather this storm, heal our planet and change it for the better. Even though we may not be able to stand next to each other, we can still dream together. The 2020 theme for International Day of Peace is Shaping Peace Together. Celebrate the day by spreading compassion, kindness and hope in the face of the pandemic 
stands together with the United Nations against attempts to use the virus to promote discrimination or hatred. Join us so that we can shape peace together. This idea of shaping peace together is clearly expressed in a resource pack produced by the World Mennonite Conference for Peace Sunday. And they use the title, Peace as Accompaniment and Solidarity. And they offer us from reflection, for reflection those readings that we heard just a few minutes ago. A strange metaphorical image from the New Testament and a very earthy human story from the Old Testament. And each of those speaks about what it might mean if we see discipleship as the Prince of Peace to include the work of peacemaking. The story of Ruth and Naomi is remarkable in many ways, and it's also full of real human tragedy. A human couple, Elimelech and Naomi, along with their two sons, Marlon and Kilian, are faced with starvation in their homeland. And so they set off to a neighbouring country where they believe and hope they will find a welcome and find food. And indeed, it seems that they were welcomed when they arrived there and were able to make a home for themselves. In fact, so much were they part of that local community that the boys, when they grew up, married local girls. But then another tragedy, Elimelech died. And a few years later, both of his sons had died too. Naomi heard that life back home was now easier, that the famine is over. And she feels, well, do you know what? I've got nothing left to lose. I, I might as well go back at least and, and die among my own people. And so her two daughters-in-law help her to get ready and they set off with her to the road to Judah. And it's clearly a very emotional scene, a lot of weeping, a lot of crying. These three women all clearly love each other deeply. But amidst that weeping, Orpah is persuaded to go back home to her parental home and to rebuild her life. Maybe she will find another man to marry. Maybe she will have children of her own. We don't know. She just disappears from the story. But Ruth will not be dissuaded. Where you go, I will go, she says. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And so they set off. But now the roles are reversed. Ruth is the foreigner who needs to adjust to a strange land with very different customs and very different norms. She has to learn new ways. And she too has to hope that she will be made welcome. And as the story unfolds, we see two very different women, one old and one young, one a Hebrew, the other a Moabite, walking together, living together and discerning together. This story is in some ways an, an enacted parable of peace as accompaniment and solidarity. Neither of the women is left to fend for herself. And each of them has somebody to walk with her as she builds a life very different from the one that she might have imagined when she was growing up. 
I'll go so far to say is there is some pretty real solidarity between them as they conspire together to ensure that Ruth will be safe and provided for once Naomi is no longer there. Barriers or boundaries of nation, of race, potentially of skin colour and of religion are set aside as their common humanity and shared vulnerability unites them in mutual care and companionship. The scriptures give us two other interesting hints to ponder. The Moabites were one of the detested nations, one of the nations that the Hebrews really did not like. And Ruth is a direct human ancestor of Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus of Nazareth has a detested foreigner as one of his umpteen greats, grandmother. When we speak of discipleship as learning from Jesus, then we have to remind ourselves that this Jesus was of mixed race and mixed heritage and, and that the story of Ruth and of the other women in that strange genealogy are part of his story. And so perhaps that may have influenced the way he, has be he behaved because he would have known his, his forebears. Small wonder his closest friends, his own disciples, included people of diverse political opinion, possibly of diverse backgrounds. Some of the names would suggest that these people were Greek Jews and that others were Hebrew Jews. That he welcomed people of other races, that he engaged with women. He allowed himself to learn from those he met, seeing them as God sees them, as human beings part of God's good creation. So that's the human story, the lived parable of what accompaniment and solidarity might look like. But what about the metaphor? Those who've been around Hillhead for the last decade and a bit um, will know that I love this story. In fact, it's probably one of the first things I preached on um, way, way back at Hillhead was this image of the church as the body of Christ. And it's a rich and powerful image because it expresses inclusion. And with some humour, the writer of the letter to Corinth and also the letter to Rome personifies the various parts of the body, hands and feet, eyes and ears, perhaps imagining this ridiculous situation where they might have a debate about who's most important. Except it's a bit of a flipped debate, I think. Well, says the foot to the hand, I'm inferior to you. I mean, you can hold a pen and write and you can use tools to, to build or to sew. You can point the way out to others and you can hold somebody's hand. You can reach out and embrace somebody or pat them on the back. I can't do anything like that. I'm, I'm just a foot. I'm useless. Oh, no, 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 says the hand. Actually, no, I'm, I'm less valuable than you. After all, you can take the weight of the whole body. You can walk and run. You can dance for joy. You can balance on ladders. I can't do anything like that. And so it goes on. Each member of the body putting a ridiculous case as to why they are inferior to the others. And eventually it dawns on them that this is just daft. 
It's only when they cooperate, when each member of the body does the thing that it is uniquely gifted to do, that the body is healthy and able to thrive. But what if we were to imagine, instead of hands and feet and ears and eyes, the different people groups across our shared earth? What if we were to recognise, to really recognise, not just as a concept, as a nice idea, but as part of our living, that if one hurts, one part of the body hurts, all hurt. And that only when all thrive can any thrive. What if we were to set our hearts and minds on walking together with each other and with others? accompaniment, if you like, recognising and celebrating the diversity, living in solidarity. And what if that's not just a dream, not just a nice idea? I've been reflecting quite a bit on our church recently, um, for various good reasons, positive reasons. And, you know, we are pretty good at celebrating our diversity. And we work hard to be inclusive. And we do walk together the best we can. We are walking together through this strange, strange time of pandemic. But what if we could spread that even further to those around us, in our own neighbourhoods, in our own nation, and on throughout the world? What if that solidarity found greater expression, that we could be even more wonderful and more marvellous than we are? Today, the United Nations and the Christian Church join hands in a shared longing for peace. Not just the absence of violence and war, but the deep, lasting shalom of the God we meet in Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, our teacher, our friend, and our saviour. Amen. One of the ideas that the Mennonite resource asked us to consider is to create a peace quilt. The thing about a peace quilt is that each person in a community offers a piece of fabric. It can be new, it can be used, it can be large, it can be small, and they are gathered together and stitched together, usually by groups of women, though there's no reason why men shouldn't be part of it, as an expression of solidarity and commitment to walk together. And then when this quilt is completed, they don't just like, oh, that's beautiful, let's hang it on the wall. 
they will give it to somebody. Maybe somebody in their community who is, is sad or ill, or maybe somebody outside their community who's cold or lonely or dying. Now, unfortunately today, being scattered across the world and in our little squares, it looks a bit like a quilt actually across my screen, we can't physically make a peace quilt. But we can kind of do something similar. So when you've got your invitation, it was a suggestion that you might find a piece of paper roughly this sort of size and square. And if you've been able to get such a piece of paper, um, if you'd like to get it and your pen or pencil ready now, that would be fantastic. What we're invited to do, and I'm not sure how well I can get this to show, it doesn't matter really if you can read it or not, is this is the blue piece one that I prepared earlier. I will do another one in a minute. Is to write our name somewhere on our square, central-ish. And if you would like to add some decorations or some other words that strike you as important around it either now or after the service that would be great so we'll just take a moment um won't leave it too long because obviously distantly it can feel a bit of a long silence but we'll just take a minute or so to do something on our square if we would like to and if you have done that or if you have a square even if you haven't written anything on it. Um, this is where it could all go horribly wrong. I'd like to invite you to hold it so it pretty much fills your camera. Um, and then I'm going to try <laughs> and do a screen print, which will make us some sort of a quilt. If we can get some up there, that will be fantastic. If you don't have one, it's not a problem. Okay, I'm going to screen print in what three, two, one. Oops, a few of those missed. Let's try, try again. Wait, three, two, one. Thank you. Brilliant. If you would like to, after the service, later on today or in the next day or two, if you could take a photograph of your square and email it to me, uh, to me, please, not to Anne. Anne gets, I, I, I say, please send it to me. And everybody dutifully sends them to Anne, who then has to pass them on to me. So if you've got my email address, if you could email me a photograph of your square, that would be lovely. One of the things I found really helpful over this lockdown period is to re-engage with my own love of creativity and making things. And I've been sewing as praying and I'm not going to inflict that on anybody else. I don't expect anybody else to suddenly start embroidering their prayers or whatever. But if you would like to, I would invite you, if you've got an old tea towel um, kicking around in your cupboard, that you're prepared to part with if you could post me that old tea towel i would love to take those and make cut some squares from them and make a quilt and as i stitch that quilt to pray for you and that will be an extension an ongoing thing it will take me ages to get it all done because i don't have a sewing machine it will be hand sewn which i also enjoy so please don't feel bad about that um, just a way to continue that thought about solidarity and togetherness. Bonnie, that is an absolutely amazing square that I can see there. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. And thank you to everybody else who, who's held up their squares to share with us. So as we continue to think about peace, let's join in a beautiful song by the Methodist writer, Fred Kahn, put peace into each other's hands.
We come together in our prayers for others and in our prayers for each other. Let us pray. God of compassion, we bring to you now this moment, this space, our friends around us. Help us to make this time together a place where your love is found. God of compassion, we bring to you now all our regrets, those moments we cannot forget, and the people <clears throat> and the people we have become. You know our weaknesses, and you have given generously of your forgiveness. Let us also forgive one another as you first forgave us. God of compassion. Help us to grow in courage, love, and understanding. To live in ways that will make our world into a place where peace, love, and all of life can flourish. We pray that we will become agents of change and healing, bringing peace and forgiveness into our world. God of compassion, your love gathers and enfolds all things in your creation. We bring to you now your earth and all of its peoples. We bring to you all who cannot heal, all who struggle to forgive. Heal all of our divisions, bring us together as brothers and sisters, giving us the grace to serve one another and that we all may feel the embrace of your arms around us. God of compassion, we bring to you now our neighborhoods, our worshiping community, and our church family around the world. Today, we remember especially the European Baptist Federation, Lossiemouth Baptist Church, Maybole Baptist Church, our friends who have joined us on Zoom from around the world. And in our own community, we remember this week, Paul and Helena, Lily, Clifford, our minister Katrina, Jean and Walter, Paul, Rico, Ailey and Leo, Katrina and Ben, Rachel, Tamara, Hannah and Aaron. We pray that we will find your grace so that we may serve one another in the peace, love and forgiveness that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
we close with a Celtic blessing. Deep peace of the running wave to you. Deep peace of the flowing air to you. Deep peace of the quiet earth to you. Deep peace of the shining stars to you. Deep peace of the gentle night to you. Moon and stars pour their healing light on you. Deep peace of Christ, the light of the world to you. Deep peace of Christ, the Prince of Peace to you and all creation from this day forth and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>